0: Recorded live.
1: Brainosaur presents the weekday Warriors of.
0: Sounds of Brooklyn based band Vomit Face have entered us into this episode of the Weekday Warriors of Wrestling presented to you by Brainosaur.com. We are now back on GoFightLive.tv. Of course, we are on iTunes. We are on TalkShoe. Guys, please favorite us. Please follow us. Do all those things that you need to do in today's social media environment. Um, we have a huge show today, and of course, Patrick isn't here. He, he had some personal uh, stuff that he was doing, social engagement, so-and-so. So, of course, he is not here. We have two big guests tonight. We have Cage from Lucha Underground, which I'm super excited about. we got SoCal Val from uh, Evolve Wrestling. Um, two interviews for the first time in half a decade. I, I don't know why we stopped doing the interviews. Um, I, I guess I assume people didn't want them. But over the past few years, I've kind of been uh, getting feedback that people would like interviews again. And, you know, we used to do interviews on the the other show we used to be on, Patrick and I. Um, but uh, we did them kind of rarely on this one. But we're going to be doing them more and more, uh, getting some guys on here, uh, guys and gals. And I think it should be fun. So, like I said, Cage is on tonight. We're going to talk about uh, Ultima Lucha. We're going to talk about my absolute favorite show on television right now, which is Lucha Underground. We're going to chat with SoCal Val um, uh, about some shows that Evolve has going on this weekend. Uh, So it should be a lot of fun. Before uh, Cage comes on, though, I do want to chat a little bit about some of the wrestling that went on this week. Um, I thought Raw was such an improvement over last week. I, I thought I mean last week was a horrendously bad show from the opening it was the, the funniest part I heard people saying is like oh Seth Rollins it was Seth Rollins you can't have a heel champion and Seth Rollins is, was like Seth Rollins didn't go backstage write a sequence and a segment where the heels spend 25 minutes giving gifts to each other and nothing happens he didn't write that I think we really need to segregate writing and performing because I think people have a major problem with it and they have no idea <laughs> who's to blame for some of these things. Seth Rollins didn't do that. I thought Seth did an admirable job with what he was given, But, I mean, you know, you could give Lawrence Olivier the worst script in the world. He can only make it so good. I, you know, I mean, that's all there is to it. Um, this week I thought was a hell of a lot better. I, lo- I love fucking Brock Lesnar wielding goddamn axes on a car is, that's a Lucha Underground plot right there, honestly. Um, It's it's insane. Um, I love that. I love the main event. A lot of people had a um, uh, issue with the um, uh, main event and how it ended with uh, Cena going over. I mean, I didn't. Uh, I mean, I can understand as a fan of Cesaro why you would be upset. but And, and I am. I'm a, I like Cesaro better than Cena. But I mean, come on. They, they got 35 minutes to tear the house down. What do you want from them? Uh, so I like that. Uh, what else did uh, I really enjoy? Um, uh, Dolph Ziggler getting caned was awesome because... I think we're kind of all in agreement here that Dolph Ziggler is, is objectively, like, the worst human being. I love Dolph. I think he's a great performer. But his character in this is just, like, awful. He's making out with this woman right in front of this heartbroken guy. And I don't know if there's supposed to be sympathy for him or we're just in this post-attitude era stuff where where faces are assholes and we love them. And I, I love Dolph Ziggler for being an asshole. But if I'm supposed to feel sympathetic that he got his ass kicked after making out with a guy's ex-girlfriend in front of him... I, I, I can't. I can't feel that way. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's that. Um, and I think, you know, part of it has to do with WWE is super self-conscious in Chicago. I mean, ever since, I guess, that, um, that first Chicago Raw, that punk wasn't there, they really kind of put on a show that could not be criticized. The idea is, like uh, we, we, we can't give them a reason to be upset. And they didn't. And, and it was great. And I think they're always kind of, you know, on edge with Madison square garden. You don't want to bomb in the garden. They don't want to bomb in in the all state arena either. Um, so yeah. Um, or the Rosemont horizon, whatever they, wherever they are, even though the Rosemont horizon is not actually in Chicago, it's in Rosemont, Illinois, but yeah. So, um, I mean, I liked the show. I thought it was fun. Um, it ended on a, on a, like an adrenaline pumping note. And, and not just because the, the, the face one, I'm I'm always annoyed when people are like, Oh, send the fans home happy. Like if a good guy wins, that's how you send the fans home happy. If that was the case, Game of Thrones would have no viewers because it, it doesn't matter if the good guy wins. Do I want to watch next week? Do I want to follow your storylines? Am I engaged? Do I care? And, um, you know, great wrestling makes me care. Um, so that, I mean, that that was a, a, a true main event, I thought. So, I love that. Um, I, I thought it was a good show. Was there crap on it? Of course there was. There was, um, you know, uh, Bree and Page was not very good. Big the Big Show and Ryback stuff is is absolute garbage. And Miz, like, there's, <laughs> I can't. Uh, the it's it's just awful. Um the Roman Reigns Sheamus stuff was not good, but the good stuff distracted me enough that I was like, yeah, you know, I'll I'll, I'll take it. I'll take what I can get. Um uh as far as other shows, uh Lucha Underground was freaking awesome. <laughs> I mean, when do I not say that? I read like these snarky 411 uh reviews where people are, you know, talking about how bad last week's show was. I, I I don't know what television program you're watching, but I, I, I have yet to see a bad episode of this show. I, I just, I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, it, just so much more good stuff on this. A lot of people are talking about, if you've seen the show, there was a sequence when Mil Mortes and Katrina kind of did their ghost act to Prince Puma and Conan dismisses it as, as mind games and says, Hey, don't worry about it, kid. It's just mind games. And people are like, oh, okay. That proves the stuff that's happening in, in Lucha Underground is, is not literally happening. No, it's fucking literally happening. Bale is dead. There is a kayfabe death in the show. It is not make believe. And the announcers are like, Where's Bail? Because nobody sees the the vignettes. It's 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 so unlike WWE with that. So no. There is Conan saying that does not negate the entire stylistic tone that this show has taken on since its inception. So uh for people who think that I I am I'm, I'm sorry you think that way. But um I thought the show was great. Um uh the tejano Divari uh, match was great. Although it's I feel like Tejano went to like heel the face like instantaneously and I missed all of it. So now now he's like they they really pushed like the blue collar stuff with Tejano very hard and I I was where did this come from? So <laughs> Um, that, that, you know, I enjoy the match. Um, I, their characters kind of go together pretty well as long as you are pushing him as, as this blue collar character. But I, I really think they kind of just slid that in because Devari is, you know, the, the, um, upper crust, uh, Persian American. Uh, I like Drago and Hernandez. Drago is perhaps visually the, the coolest fucking character on the show. I mean, he, he looks like a demon. It's amazing. Um, Hernandez, a lot of people have been shitting on him. I'm, I, I dig him for what he is. I mean, his character that people are like, I don't like him because he's arrogant and he has no respect for this. Well, that's his character. I mean, what else do you want? Like, I mean, they're presenting that heel for you. So I, I, I like it because I, I don't think everybody should go into the, rever- the, the temple being reverent and being in awe of, of all this stuff. So, um, I mean, and that's how Cage's character was initially. Cage came in. He's like, I don't give a shit about any of this stuff. I'm a machine. I will throw tires at you, and I will rip your head off. And that's, that's what he did. So, you know, there are these characters like Cage, like Hernandez, like, uh, I guess, Johnny Mundo in Rudo form that, that are like this. And, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> that, that's, that's um, you know, it's variety. Uh, the Puma Chavo match I thought was good. Um, I mean, Puma just for me continues to deliver consistently. Um, and then we had a great, uh, finish. It was a backstage segment with Chavo, Blue Demon, and, uh, Blue Demon was like, uh, oh, you know, Mexico gotcha. And Chavo was like, well, you know, who Mexico really loves is Tejano. And of course, you know, he played them and so you're setting the seeds for Tejano and Blue Demon. But the, the thing I like so much about Lucha Underground is they don't just forget about their characters. Their characters are always on the trajectory towards something else. I mean, Chavo gets his protection from Dario Cueto after being exiled. He gets his title shot. He loses his shot. He's now instigating something else, which leads into something else. Everything on the show means something. And I feel as a viewer that I'm being rewarded for paying attention, for caring, and to me, that makes me a bigger fan, and I, I'm absolutely 100% fan of this show. Um, I have a lot of questions for Cage about it when he comes on, about how he feels about it. I know so many of these guys are so excited, um, are so happy to be a part of this, and I think that's great. I just, when was the last time wrestling was this exciting? Was it the Attitude Era? Was it ECW? I think the last time a non-WWE promotion had this excitement, I honestly, I mean, I, I guess maybe Ring of Honor and 04, 05, and maybe, or maybe ECW, but I honestly think the stuff that Ring of Honor is doing right now, I'm sorry, not Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground is doing right now, is as revolutionary as the stuff ECW did back then. And the reason is, is because nobody has thought a lot of this stuff beforehand. Um, you look at ECW and hardcore wrestling and stuff, and yeah, now it's passe, now it's trite, now everybody does it. And the reason it was special when ECW did it was because no one had ever done that. So, you know, and the reason the stuff Lucha Underground is doing is because no one has really done a sci-fi horror fantasy wrestling show with this much commitment. I know people are going to say, oh, Chikara, Chikara, and yeah, I know, Chikara's great, but it doesn't have any sort of national presence, and I don't know if they, just because of the budget that they don't have, are capable of matching execution-wise what Lucha Underground is doing. So, I, I mean, I, I... I <laughs> it's just I I think it's incredibly revolutionary I and I stand by that statement the fact that Lucha Underground is as revolutionary as ECW was in 1995 94 you know mid 90s when pro wrestling kind of needed a jump start from the 80s and ECW kind of took it into the 90s and now pro wrestling's in this kind of post 90s early 2000s malaise and. Lucha Underground is coming in and they're kind of giving that kick in the balls that, that wrestling needs. So yeah, I thought the show was great. I think Lucha, uh, Ultima Lucha is looking fantastic. I mean, I know it's been, been shot already, but you know, just like you avoid spoilers for True Detective or Game of Thrones. I mean, uh, I don't want any spoilers (laughs) for, uh, for any of these, you know, I want to keep as far away from the spoilers. I want to watch it as it's intended, as it's meant to be seen, because it's it's just, it's it's gripping. And, and as a fan, you know, that that's what it should be. It, we, we should be excited. We should be passionate. And it shouldn't be this chore to sit down and watch a wrestling show. I mean, uh, my girlfriend makes fun of me because she says, why do you watch this stuff if you don't like it? And I I don't really have an answer, whether it's, you know, the pride of being a wrestling fan or it's, you know, uh, just just masochism for myself. I don't know. But with Lucha Underground, I'm able to sit down for an hour each week and just be enthralled. And when it's over, I'm like, I got to see the next episode. And when was the last time that happened? I mean, really, honestly, think of that. When was the last time that you really wanted to see what was next on a wrestling program? I know a lot of people will say, um, you know, late nineties, WWE, and that's probably the mainstream answer would be late nineties, WWE. Um, But, you know, Lucha Underground has so many things going for it. It has seasons, which we talked about last week, I think is a a major positive to the brand. It has an hour of uh of time as opposed to three hours i mean i don't care if you're rod Serling. it is so difficult to write three hours of original television every week and that's just on the flagship show so you have to do all the other stuff and it's such it's oversaturated the market so much that i mean you see what it is i mean you don't nobody watches superstars nobody watches smackdown i mean not really and it's just at the end of the day, it's 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 you have to answer to stockholders, and Lucha Underground doesn't have to answer to stockholders. They can be a cutting edge show, they can tell aggressive, intelligent, provocative stories, and not have to worry if they've offended someone. And you know, Vince does, and that that's that's one of the biggest mistakes I think WWE's ever made was was going public. So, yeah. I mean, think about it. They, people always act like, oh, you know, oh, the PG era was the was the time. What, was it really, or was it a little bit before that? Because I think a lot of the risk taking and a lot of the uh, maverick attitude that Vince had stopped around October 1999. And that, there, a lot of things happened in that time period, in October. I mean, uh, Austin was, was injured in, in ninety nine. He was he was pretty much like not going to wrestle again. I think he had he had a match with um, Triple H and then I, I don't think he had another match after that. He may have had a few, but he didn't wrestle Survivor Series because he needed the surgery. Uh, Russo left during that time. Um, you know, and you know, I'm I'm not a I'm not a Vince Russo fan, <laughs> but you know, it was a change for them. So a lot of stuff happened and I don't know if it's an amalgamation of all those things or it's, it's a, um, or it's just coincidence, but really after that time period, I, I think that's where you saw a lot of the major quality dips and get to what we have today. But, yeah, well, you know, I've kind of given up on WWE in regards to that and, um, the Lucha Underground. <laughs> Is a great, great thing for us to have. Um, NXT this week, um, we had uh, villains came back, and, and thank God they've been missing for, for much too long. Um, going over some guys, and I think you're building towards, I, I don't know if they're going to give the um, uh, Enzo and Cass the tag titles, and I, and I wonder if that might be a smart decision on their part because they can just, you know, move up the, uh, the realest guys in the room, which I think should be their tag team name, uh, up to the main roster while uh, you keep uh, Murphy and Blake down there and they can go ahead and wrestle the VOD villains because I think the VOD villains are a team that they can conceivably keep down there for a long time and not, you know, and still be entertaining, but not have to worry about bringing them up. Where I think Edzo and Cass come off to me like a more intelligent version of the New Age Outlaws, uh, quite honestly. So. Uh, so, uh, what else do we have on the show? I actually didn't see all of NXT, I'll be quite honest with you. Um, Baron Corbin Pin Tucker Knight. Um, to me, they need to kind of make a decision with Baron Corbin, because... You know, he's not doing anything, I guess would be the (laughs) the most apropos thing to say. He's squashing guys, and he is, you know, not doing anything new. And the holding pattern for him has been squash guys, which is fun. I mean, you're going to think I'm a hypocrite because I'm the guy who always says have squash matches, and now I'm saying, oh, you know, Baron Corbin, you know don't have squash matches, but it has to lead to something. And it just goes, he just squashes guys, then he goes against the other unbeatable guy, whether it's Bull Dempsey, whether it's Rhino. Off the top of my head, I think those are the two guys. But they've done the same storyline twice. So, I I mean, I, I get it, but to me, it's just exposing Baron Corbin, keeping him in this pattern for so long. They need to do something else with us. And, you know, I mean, Baron Corbin's fine for where he is, but I don't know if he's going to be the money guy that they think he is. I mean, he's got kind of a weird look. He's, you know, he's tall, but he's, he's, he's like my height and kind of like a little heavier, but he's not particularly built. And, yeah, I mean, it's it just – when I look at Baron Corbin, I don't I, I don't get the fear that like I would from a Brock Lesnar or even a Kevin Owens. And Owens isn't the most built guy, but you get that vibe from him. And I mean, maybe you can do something with Corbin. I don't know. I'm just saying, like what they're doing right now isn't helping. It's it's not. Um. So yeah, I mean, I I don't know if they're like you know the crowd is turned on him, and the NXT crowd is is very difficult to, to be turned on. Um, not to be turned on, but to turn on you. Um, they've done it with like him and Mojo Raleigh, and, and that's about it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. That's that. Uh, okay. So, still waiting on Cage to call in here. And... Uh, and just pull up a few things I have here. But, um, yeah, so NXT, uh, that was about as far in as I got, was honestly the Baron Corbin stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean, NXT, I mean, I I think NXT has become, like, the super popular, ultimately enjoyable show, but I I, I wouldn't put it on Lucha Underground's level not by a long shot. All right. Okay, so I actually don't know if we're going to have Cage on today. <laughs> I, I hope we do, but um, I don't know. So we will have SoCal Val. Um, uh If you're listening live, that will happen in about half hour or so. Um, Cage will hopefully be on here before that, we'll see, (laughs) I hope so, I don't know. Uh, As far as I guess uh, we can talk a few more things about RAW while we have a few minutes here. Another sequence we have that I guess I, 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 initially did not think we were going to have the time, but we can go ahead and talk about a few more things in depth here. Um, Dean Ambrose and Bo Dallas was a notable point, and that was mostly notable because Dean Ambrose and uh, Bo Dallas had a dueling crowd reaction, which is kind of sad when the fact is Bo Dallas has been on TV for a collective 10 minutes over the past four months, and... Dean Ambrose probably shouldn't be getting those reactions. But, I, you know, I think it's indicative of how they've been booking Dean Ambrose. They, um, they, how do I put this? Uh, it hasn't been the most intellectually or emotionally challenging. Um, he's kind of been crazy guy, but not really the, the guy who will leave the show in the middle of a uh, Raw and come back with a fucking hot dog cart. Like I, I know, people didn't like that segment a lot, but it's um, I I, I did. <laughs> I, I thought I thought if you're gonna go out there with a guy like that, you have to go all the way out. And right now they're just like I'm gonna talk to Terminator skeletons, and it's just these like kishy backstage sequences that you know don't don't really accomplish anything. It's like every Bray Wyatt sequence ever. I mean, if this is your first time listening to the show, you know that we in theory, love Bray Wyatt, but in practice, think he's pretty terrible. Um, I, I, I just don't know how much I can stand of Bray Wyatt standing there talking to the camera while fog fills the room.
1: It's not super enjoyable. I don't
0: know how you feel. <laughs> uh, So, yeah, Dean Ambrose, Bo Dallas, switcheroo on the crowd reactions. Um, And that could just be Chicago. But, I mean, both of these guys theoretically should be awesome. I mean, regardless of the fact that Bo has a body of a a baby and uh, Dean has, uh, you know, looks like he hasn't taken a shower and, and. four weeks, you know, both of these guys should be super incredibly over. Dean is, is a modern-day Stone Cold Steve Austin, and Bo is a, um, I mean, he's, he's great. It just they, they they won't let him be great on that show. If you've ever seen Bo's NXT work, you know it's night and day in comparison to, um, what they have him do now, which is just, uh, your local sports team is terrible. All you got to do is believe. That's, I mean, it's pretty much 2000 WWE heel style, which, I mean, if you're at all familiar with how people got heat in 2000 and beyond, they would come out and insult local sports teams, and that would be it. I mean, that was Kurt Angle, Edge, and Christian's mo every time and you know some people like that but it's just so fucking carny you know it's not you're not you're not a television show then you're a fucking circus and i don't mean that as like a negative towards circuses or anything but i mean you are you're 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 playing to the audience and, and and not not the television audience so um yeah, I mean the match. The match was fine. It was made probably more enjoyable by those dueling chants. But yeah, I mean they got to do something better with Dean. They got to do something better with Bo. I mean his last few weeks in NXT was gold. And if you've seen that stuff, it's it's um, it's um, very very funny. It was him trying to get the um, NXT title back from Adrian Neville and he would come back as in, in a semi Mr. America guys, which was, or Midnight Rider, for those of you who are even older than that, um, where he was Mr. NXT. <laughs> and, like, nobody bought it, which was good, because it only went on for an episode. I mean, I feel like if, if, if the main roster had that, it would have gone on for, like, four weeks, and they would have said, oh, Mr. NXT! Oh, who's he? Or, you know, ask questions. to leave the audience there, if you saw the leaked announcers documents that were released last night i was going to put those in the brain of sore, but i figured every major news site had that we didn't need to but um yeah so um I, I i hope they have a plan i don't have high hopes but i hope they do um yeah so we also had, uh, I guess I wasn't able to talk about this because I thought uh, I'm, go- I'm going to at this point soon Cage is not calling in. So we just have SoCal battle tonight. So stay tuned for that. Um, so let, let's just go into more in-depth Raw review. Uh, Sheamus and Roman Reigns. This match should be a fucking hoss fight. And it should be a back-and-forth, brutal affair and it's not, and I don't know what it is about sheamus's heel turn. I thought Seamus would be the perfect heel. He is an, in, he is totally unlikable for so many ways, for so many reasons rather. One, he uh, he he's a WWE system product, a product of their system. He's a Triple H workout buddy. He's He's kind of a big guy, which naturally kind of has an air of like caution to it, because you know I, I think I think modern Smarks are are allergic to being fans of anyone above like five foot six. But um, you know he he's he's so unnatural on the mic that I think it just lends himself to being a heel. If you've seen his 2011 base run with the title, I think it was 2011 or was it 2012? Might have been 2012. Yeah, no, it was 2012. It was 2012 summer and partially fall run with the world heavyweight championship. You know what I'm talking about. He is one of the most unlikable guys. I mean, they did this whole thing. If you don't remember it, where they wanted him to be Irish rock, and he was just this loud, dumb child that would say things like, like if you if anybody remembers the um, the deposition segment. Uh, David Atunga was representing Ricardo Rodriguez against Seamus, and Seamus says "See sí, Senyar" in a in a voice, and he's he's making like jokes about being Jewish and Mexican. It's, it's, it's fucking awful. I mean, it's not even like it's not even like oh, this is awful and offensive. It's not even funny. Like you know, I think you can get away with offensive stuff as long as you make people laugh. And there was not a point at all. Where that where that made anyone laugh, and I mean, except for like children who think it's funny when you say, "Do you swear?" and you start cursing, like that—that's a funny thing if you're you're four years old. So, uh, yeah. So um, this match was just—I I can't stand these fucking count-out finishes. These, whether they're destroyed like, I mean, it's it's all the same thing. It, it's all the same lazy circle of writing. It's the um, the Distraction Roll-Up, Twin Magic, Purposeful Countout, or now the Distraction Countout, where Roman Reigns is so distracted by something else that he leaves the ring and attacks somebody or looks for somebody and loses the match. I want to point out that in this world, in the world WWE has created, although they never mention it and they probably should because it gives context to everything and it makes things seem more important, People should want to win a match because it means more money, it means more fame, it means rising up in the rankings, it means getting a title shot, it means improving your career. They should always care about winning. I understand, I understand in extreme circumstances that you you can think this guy hates this guy so much he'll give him a match. I get that. But this kind of shit happens every single week. Miz is always taking purposeful count He's like, who cares? I, uh, it's not for the title. Well, you know what? Then Miz shouldn't get a title shot. That's how it should work. You should, you should, if, if you put them on matches, if you, if you put matches on your show, they should mean something. At this point, it's, it's the thing that Vince McMahon says he doesn't have on his show. It's wrestling for the sake of wrestling. It is filling time because as they know, as I know, as everyone knows, they don't have enough content to fill in the three hours. But guess what? That extra million dollars or whatever the paltry amount that they got, because it's not a large amount of money in the grand scheme of things, they had that second hour. They don't get the advertising revenue. They're just paid by USA for the rights. Uh, they, they wanted to do it because they have stockholders. And here we go again, back around to the front about stockholders. Um, so these purposeful countouts, these distraction countouts, are they don't help anyone. WWE thinks they protect their characters with this. They don't. They just make everyone look like shit. And Sheamus is like, oh, I wouldn't buy count out. I mean, let, let's look at what this means. So at the end of the day, Sheamus beat a guy who ran away. Like, WWE's point of view is saying, oh, hey, that'll make people hate him because he won a match and the other guy ran away so he didn't really win. But it doesn't because nobody cares about the wins or losses. They've established that they just don't care who wins or loses. They don't mean anything. If you win a bunch of matches, it's not like you're going to get a title shot. If you lose a bunch of matches, it's not going to affect you. It has no bearing on the way storylines go. Unlike Lucha Underground where people win and lose and then their status on the show is reflected. It doesn't matter. So their thought process is that Sheamus is going to be hated because he took a cheap win like that, which, by the way, I, I want to point out, a countout win is not a cheap win. If you beat the shit out of somebody and they cannot physically get back into the ring, like, I don't understand why that's so cheap. Everybody's like, oh, you don't want it to end in a countout or a disqualification. Well, why not? I mean, maybe I can understand DQ, but a countout? You beat the crap out of him so bad, and he can't get back into the ring, and you can, you win. It doesn't matter. It's, it's like it still goes in this theoretical kayfabe record book as a win. So I don't understand what the issue is. I really don't. Um. Yeah, it's it's um. It's it's maddening. It's frustrating and maddening. Um. Uh, by the way, I, I'm I'm reading these reports on Wrestling Inc. and they're like, Tyler Breeze wins via pinfall. The beauty shot finishes him. And then they say, Beauty Mark is how Tyler Breeze won. Like, does anyone read these things or pay attention? I don't know. Um, oh, yeah. So what was I talking about? I go off Um So, yeah, we, uh, we go back to um, Seamus and Roman Reigns. Their goal is that, oh, hey, Seamus is going to be hated, but nobody cares. Their goal is that Roman is going to be protected because he wasn't really beaten, but the fact is, Roman just looks like an idiot because he's incapable of doing two things at once, and uh, he loses the match because of it, because he's that dumb. So, I mean, I have- I don't understand why he, okay, he punches the the fake Bray Wyatt. It's not Bray Wyatt. Okay, you know what Roman Reigns should then do? Oh, shit, I got a match. I should probably win that thing. I'm going to go back and Bray Wyatt, who's not out there right now, I can go find him later because he's not out here now. He probably still won't be out here. I should be fine. It's just, it's, it's incredibly frustrating because they ask us to care, but they don't care. So, you know, uh, it is what it is. Um, Yeah, so that match was, I I mean, it it was the inaugural Sheamus-Randy Orton match of this, this, or not inaugural, but it it was the the Sheamus-Randy Orton match of this Raw. For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, the, I guess the genesis of, of crazy crowds happened the night after WrestleMania... 29, the one that Patrick and I went to. Um, And there was a match between Randy Orton and Sheamus, who were perhaps the worst two people to put in front of a hostile crowd. I mean, you could put Cena in front of it. it. It kind of makes him better. But Orton has fucking no clue what to do when shit goes off the rails. I mean, if you don't remember his stupid Kofi Kingston moment or his leapfrog stuff or any of the weird stuff Orton does when stuff breaks down in the ring... I don't know what to tell you. Sheamus is, is, I mean, they're both such, (laughs) Sheamus is the 09 version of Randy Orton. I mean, they're the same guy. And that match was shit upon by the fans, and that was the first time we had the Michael Cole, JBL, Jerry chants, and they they did Randy Savage and RBD and every other chant to amuse themselves, and that's kind of become code for this match sucks, whereas the, the crowd just, goes off on its own and does its own chance and, and, and whatever. Um, that's what I thought this match was. Um, I mean, I, I don't think Roman deserves all the vitriol he gets at this point because he's kind of been pulled out of that spot ever so slowly. And, uh, you know, we, we can give the guy a break. But um, I'm not saying they should make him world champion and build the company around him. No, 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 no. I'm saying, you know, maybe we, we should probably pull it back a little bit. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that was not good. Um, the Brock Lesnar sequence, which I kind of talked to at the beginning of the show, because I thought we have an interview. We, we do, but we don't have one of the interviews I thought we have. So I can talk about this more in depth now. Um, Brock Lesnar destroy the car, as we all expected. I, I was amazed they were able to hold off the destruction until this week, because WWE loves destroying people's cars. It's like their favorite thing ever. But what they always do with it, and this has been this point has been made for a while, they'll just bring it up in the episode. They'll be like, it's Randy Orton's prize! Whatever! And then somebody destroys and they're like, Randy Orton's so upset! Ah. But we haven't had the time to, to digest or see, Orton to have that emotional connection. It's that sh- uh, it's that uh, show don't tell uh, ideology that I like to talk about. It's, it's the same way Patrick and I use this example all the time. In 2012, the big show turned heel and saved John Laurinaitis, and he had this endless feud with John Cena, where he was going to be, you know, the most. He was going to destroy everyone. You know, the, the push they give him every two years, like they do with Kane. Um, and he was going to just kill everybody and whatever, and I think he won, like, he ended Brodus Clay's undefeated streak. In, like, a three-week period, he did that. I think he beat, like, Kofi Kingston, but that was it. Like, like, and they're like, oh, Big Show's a monster. How is he going to, how is John Cena going to stop him? John Cena is like, one of the most regularly, like, overpowered characters of all time. I mean, I put John Cena kayfabe wise up there with Undertaker at WrestleMania and Hulk Hogan as like just the most difficult fucking to be characters that there are in wrestling. Um, and yet the announcers were like, "Oh, oh, is he going to stop Big Show? Big Show's a monster." Well, no. You've established for at that point, I guess seven or eight years that Cena is unbeatable. You've established that. You've done that. And Big Show is established for two weeks that he can beat the Miz so, we're suddenly supposed to believe that Big Show, that, that Cena's the underdog to Big Show? I mean, really? It's like, you got to show me. Like, if you want him to be the monster, then have him knock out Cena. Have him knock out everyone for six months. But the problem is, they don't want to do that because they don't want to have to commit. They want to get from A to 7. Because they, they went all the way through the alphabet to the numbers. But, um,. They want to skip through all that stuff. They just want to get to the point where Big Show is the monster. They don't want to do any of the work or any of the sacrificing or any of the character building that they have to do that to get there. I want to point your attention to Mil Mortes as another example. Uh, by the way, I'm very upset. I thought we were going to be able to talk more, more Lucha today and talk to Cage. I will see if we can get him next week. I'm not sure what happened, but Mil Mortes from Lucha Underground, my favorite wrestling show, is a fantastic example of this. Mil Mortes Came in as this unstoppable monster, and he was pretty unstoppable. And he beat people, and he beat him pretty bad, and he laid people out. Uh, but then people beat him. Phoenix beat him. I think Drago might have actually beat him once. Correct? I, I could be totally wrong, but I think Phoenix and someone else beat him. Um, and they had grave consequences, which is match of the year, or I, I think a match of the year candidate at the very least. Um happened and then he comes back they 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 let him go away for i feel like 6 weeks and then he comes back and now he's he's evolved this isn't even his final form this is him in dark trunks this is him with there's no more striped blue pants for mil mortes or mil mortes as as Katrina calls him um this is a uh, new man this is like when undertaker came back as prince of darkness undertaker after Uh, Purple Glove Undertaker, or I guess it was Grey Glove. Or was it Purple? I think it was Purple. I'm going to go with Purple of Prince of Darkness, because I think that's what happens. Yeah. Because I think he technically debuted Prince of Darkness at Survivor Series 96, after being buried alive by Mankind. I'm sticking with that. Okay, so Mil Muertes comes back, and he is unbeatable. He comes in, he kills Drago, he destroys Phoenix. I've got, a, I've got a pretty good inkling that he's probably... We're going to end... I hope so, because I think that's the way it needs to go. We're going to end Lucha Underground Season 1 with, um, with uh, Mil Mortes uh, holding the belt over his head. And I think it's just going to be like, how do we stop this guy? But the difference between the big show turn a few years ago and Mil Mortes is they've done the work with Mil Mortes. They had him come back. Oh, he's a new, he's a new guy new tights, new mask, new everything. He's he destroys, not even beats. He destroys these guys. He power bombs Phoenix through a fucking office. You know, he 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 takes down Drago. Drago who who also like reemerged from his cocoon as like Dark Drago, as I will call him from now on. Um he does he, he takes him out. The guy who had just beaten um uh, I think it was, like, Hernandez and Cage and someone else. Um, yeah, that was, um, I mean, he, he, he took him out. So, so they do the work for it. They, they, they show where they're going with it, and you can believe it because you've seen it. Wrestling fans, and not even wrestling fans, fans of fiction will buy anything as long as you commit to it. If you say that there is a magical force and it binds us, and you can choke people with it, that's fine, but when you deviate from those rules, things you've established, things you've put on the table, that's when the problem starts, and that's, you know, that's what happens so often with WWE, that's how things are retconned, that's how, like, you know, things are forgotten, things that are very important are are really forgotten. I mean, you know, like, like, CM Punk gives Rey Mysterio a hug because they're both baby faces, and then you're like, "Wait, what? They had a blood feud? They had Lucha de Espuestas, or however you say it." I am, I'm a white guy, so I'm awful. Um, yeah. So, um, what was they talking about? <laughs> they don't want to show their work. I don't remember anymore. Um, oh, Brock Lesnar. Brock. I don't know. Uh, quite honestly, I don't know how I got from, <laughs> from Brock Lesnar to Big Show, to Mil Muertes. Um, the point stands. They don't want to earn anything. Um, I, I, I I feel terrible. I cannot recall my train of thought. But let's go back to, to Brock destroying this. Oh, because the car, Randy Orton's car. That's how we did it. Randy Orton's car. People, They never in, allow us to invest in that by showing it. That's how I got the Big Show. There we go. We're back where we started. That's how it goes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. what else do we have? So, oh, yeah, so Brock Lesnar destroys the car. Uh, he tears it apart. He possibly injures a fan at the same time. He, uh, takes an axe to, to major parts of the, of the, um... Oh, I just got nothing. The Lucha Underground is new tonight, because of course it is. Um... He takes an axe to the car. He smashes the windshield. He suplexes Joey Mercury on it. He rips off Jamie Noble's arm. And by rips off, I mean just breaks it, but, you know, good enough. Uh, Seth Rollins escapes and, you know, Brock goes off. I I thought the segment was good because we had a a chance to see how much Jamie Noble and Joey Mercury love this car and how much they they really, um, uh, like, you know, Happy driving around Chicago at the right by the Taco Bell in the background where I, I uh, broke my leg years ago. Uh, <laughs> um, I thought the segment was good. I thought it was fun. I thought um, Brock came off like a fucking animal, and that's we don't need sympathy for Brock Lesnar. We don't need to feel bad when Brock Lesnar is being held down for anyone. That's not who Brock Lesnar is. We just need the anticipation that when Brock gets up, he's gonna kill everybody. And this was a this was a good segment for that. So, um, uh, do, 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 do. Uh, new day and Lucha Dragons. New day continues to be like my fit, most my my absolute favorite part of the show. And I'm exaggerating because there are other things that I like. But uh, on a week to week basis, the new day or a new day, whatever you'd like to call them, are uh, uh, pretty fantastic. Uh, this was great. Um, I love the finisher. I love the Kofi Biggie Langston, um, you know, double stomp into the big ending. That that's, you know, that's Midnight Expressy. I mean, I I'm I'm kind of a mark for always have teams having like double teams and, and tag finishers and things like that. So that kind of stuff I just like. I mean, because otherwise what, what why are you better than a than a singles than two singles guys going together? Because you have to have the moves. That justify your team being greater than the the sum of the parts, um, yeah. So, I thought that match was good. Um, I I I don't think they've shown us the best of Kalisto yet. Um, we've seen him do some great stuff in uh, NXT. I've seen him do some great stuff out of WWE, and you know he's just um, he he's not there yet. And he he's I mean it's not. I, I don't mean to say that he is not at the point where he can perform there yet. It's just we haven't seen it. They're either not letting him do it or he's choosing not to do it. But he does some awesome, amazing, fun, super awesome stuff. Um, I think the most disappointed I was with Kalisto was that match that he had with um, Tyler Breeze in NXT. I think it was right after Tyler Breeze uh, beat Sami Zayn in the number one contenders match in I don't know. When was that? I'm terrible at dates now. Sometime last summer. Anyway, uh, he has his match with Tyler Breeze, and you're like, Tyler Breeze and Kalisto? That's going to be awesome. And it was it was Tyler Breeze. I think he, like, worked a headlock most of the time, and it just... It, I, part, part of me thinks that Tyler was, like, trolling for heat and stuff, but it's just like, this should be freaking insane, and it's not. And, yeah, so... Um, I thought this match was fun, though. Um, uh, Titus is, is super fun. I mean, the primetime players, to me, are just so money. And I don't like the idea that they were broken up in the first place was ridiculous because they're hilarious, Titus especially. And for God's sake, bring me back Rufus Pancake Patterson. I'm not saying he has to be on every show, but what I am saying is I need him once a year. You know why they call him Rufus Pancake Patterson? Because he flattens people. We need more Rufus Pancake Patterson. Um, and Darren Young, I think, is is he's athletic. He's good. Um, and Titus just looks like a fucking beast out there. I, I mean, I feel like I feel like they've been kind of scratching the surface with this guy. And Titus has always been entertaining, especially on the mic. But I don't know if it ever translated in the ring. And now he's like, you know. He, he, with these hot tags, he is a house of fire. And I don't mean that in, like, the, the making fun of Vince voice. I mean it like he really is, and he's awesome. And, um, I, yeah, the, the, the PCP are money to me. And it, it, it amazes me that it's taken them so long to get to this point with the, with the two characters, because I think they're great. Um, by the way, we're about 10 minutes away from, uh, SoCal Val. Uh, so we will have her, unless, you know, unless, we don't, and then you've wasted all this time just listening to me. So, <laughs> um,
1: so the next,
0: uh, what else do we have here? Oh, we have the main event. Because previously, when I thought we were a long time, I was like, oh, the main event was good. Let's talk about the main event. Uh, I thought it was great. I thought. Like I said at the beginning, I know people are are upset Cesaro didn't win, and I thought Cesaro was going to win. I thought they were going to do this, and then you would have Owens and Cena, and Owens would go, would be enraged. He would be so uh, pissed off that he couldn't be the guy to take the U.S. title off Cena. And Cena, of course, could give respect to Cesaro, which he did after the show. I would have preferred that to be on the show, quite honestly. I thought that was... That was a nice piece. If you haven't seen it, there's some clips for Cesaro and Cena after the show. Go take a look at it. It's worth a look. Um, the match was uh, was great. It was better than, than last week's. Uh, they went 35 minutes. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me a lot. I mean, not so much with the face and heel connotation, but uh, just just how it was presented and, and where it was in the show. It reminded me of the... Uh, the CM Punk-John Cena match in February of uh, 2013, uh, where Punk was like, you never beat me. You got to beat me to get the shot. And Punk Cena was like, okay. Um, It reminded me a lot of that. Uh, There was some really interesting stuff. I liked the story that Cesaro wanted the submission so bad, that Cesaro's main goal was to get to, uh, get Cena to tap out which is impossible because Cena has never tapped out since he's been a face. So Cesaro's arrogance cost him because theoretically, I mean, if he had gone for more neutralizers, you'd think two, definitely three neutralizers would have put Cena away. So I like the idea that Cesaro was so arrogant that he was like, I, last week I had him tapping. I, I, he was going to tap and, you know, probably wasn't. But, you know, based on the booking, suggested he was. But, you know, believe it when you see it. But Cesaro needing that, needing that vindication that he made Cena tap, uh, I thought that was an interesting motivation. I thought that colored the match very well. I thought it, uh, you know, gave a, um, a flavor to it. And, and, and more than just, I want to beat you and we're going to have a great 2005 Ring of Honor match, you know. And uh, it was good. So so many good stuff. It, I want to point out that the reason Cena's matches are so good are not because he's pulling out new moves. I think a lot of people point that out. They're like, he's opening up his arsenal. Like, you can do all the crazy fucking moves in the world. And Cena has done. I mean, Cena jumps off the top rope and drops a leg on people's heads. Like, it's, like, it's not that he doesn't work. It was the character. It was always the character. So I hated those you-can't-wrestle chants. Really? I mean, Cena is what he is. He's not Shawn Michaels. He's not Bret Hart. He can't bring you up to that next level. But if you are at Cena's level, then congratulations, you're going to have awesome matches. Because Cena's had amazing matches with Punk, with Bryan, uh, with Lesnar, uh, over with Umaga. Cena's had great matches. It's always the fact that the character is infallible. It's that he's a jerk, but they don't really talk about that is that he's kind of a, uh, he, he's, he's, he's not an underdog, but they say he is. When he's, he's like, he's the, I mean, as Punk said in that promo, you know, he's the New York Yankees. He's not the Red Sox. I mean, he, well, he probably is the Red Sox, but the Red Sox are, are uh, not underdogs either. Um, so, you know, that's always been the issue. So now that Cena, and even though it's the main event, it's not the story, it's not the show overall main event even though he's in the main event he's at the u.s title level and you're doing something with him you're taking his star power and you're putting it onto something that needs it like the u.s title and you're putting it with people who need it like uh like adrian neville like sammy Zayn, like kevin owens like Antonio Cesaro, like Jesus, even Zack Ryder, you know, guys that need it, and nobody looks at it. I mean, people are mad Cesaro lost, but the fact of the matter is nobody comes out of these matches looking bad. You don't think anything less of Neville after that Cena match. You think more. You don't think anything less of, of Sami Zayn. I mean, he was... He was amazing, and he, and he came off of that probably better than if he hadn't been injured. So, you know, the idea that, oh, I can't enjoy it because, because Cena won. <laughs> I mean, you you have a right to feel whatever you want, but, I mean, that was a coming-out party for Cesaro. And the frustrating thing, I mean, I hope they recognize it. I hope they, they sit down and they say, hey, this guy can go, because Cesaro's had a number of breakthrough moments that they just do not recognize, whether it's his his other great matches with John Cena, whether it's his matches with Sami Zayn in that Best of Three series, whether whether it's his work uh, in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, whether it's his work, um, Jesus Christ, with the Real Americans, all the things, whether it's his stuff with Tyson Kidd. I mean, he just has good matches. That's it. So I hope at the end of the day, Vince will say, yeah, you know, he can wrestle. know, <laughs> Maybe that'll be it. So we're about four minutes away from SoCal Val. I do apologize everybody that Cage is not with us today. I'm not sure what the issue is. I will reach back out to the El ray network and hopefully get someone, whether it's Cage next week or whether it's someone else. Um and we'll, we'll get somebody on it but we, we do we do have socal valves she'll be she'll be in in a few minutes but um, as far as the uh, as far as the Cena um, Cesaro match I mean a plus work I'm glad they didn't have a DQ again with Kevin Owens coming in because I, I feel like part of part of their mindset would be hey Kevin Owens is gonna get a heel heat from this and I can see See a perspective where that's correct, but I can also see where the person I, I can also see that hey, it's going to be the wrong kind of heel. It's going to be like X hey, Bucky, and you really don't want that. And it just—it would mar it. I'm not saying you can't have DQ matches or no DQ finishes or no contest I think people go a little crazy when they're like, yeah, every match needs to be a clean finisher. I'm so upset. Um, uh, you know, I I, I think it. Um, I think you you just got to, um, you know, just, just just take it wherever this story goes. So, um, yeah. All right. Um, what else do we have? I think we got a few minutes before Val will be on here. Um. Oh well. Should I talk about King Barrett or versus King What's Up? The um, the, the battle of uh, <laughs> uh, the battle of uh, the kings. I mean, the, the Chicago crowd was into it. I mean, what else can you say? It was um, uh, they were into the match. <laughs> which I mean, I wasn't. These guys have wrestled 10,000 times in the past like two weeks and are two months, and, like, it, it, it's not really a good feud. It's kind of, like, it's pretty childlike, but, you know, it, uh, <laughs> they had fun with it, so. Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. What else we got here? Talked about Big Show and Ryback. I talked about it was awful at the beginning of the show, but I guess we can turn around to that. It was just not... Um, I mean, what's the point? They're like, hey, Miz is smarter than everybody, but then he never does anything to outsmart them. It's it's as as we spoke about previously, it is do as I say, not as I not as I do, and it just there's no story. Vince likes to tell about how he, he oh they're telling stories, but they're not really telling stories. They're 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 just throwing shit out there without a beginning, middle, or end. I mean. What's the story? Two guys who, I mean, one hasn't had heat for years. The other, he, you know, the other had some sort of emotional investment a, a few um, a few months ago with with his secret story that he that he told us about. But it, it's just. They don't do anything beyond that. Like Ryback's like, I got injured and I, I read the secret and I'm, I'm great. And you're like, oh, that's inspiring. But then they never do anything beyond that. that that's his character now. It wasn't just a moment where they moved forward. It's that that's Ryback's character. I'm a guy who loves wrestling and was injured and I read the secret. And that's, that's that it. <laughs> you know? It's like, I mean, it's the opposite of what it used to be, which was, you know, you'd have one of those um one of those uh in-depth interviews that, that JR would do with like Goldust or Mankind or uh you know whoever. I think Austin did one. But you know, they would they would illuminate but they wouldn't define who they were. So yeah, WWE has should go back. <laughs> that that time period. No, um, yeah, so that was raw. Like I said, there was there was things I liked, things I didn't like, um, but overall I thought the uh the good outweighed the bad
1: and I'll take that on the rest.
0: So I think we have Val calling in. Let me pull her up right now. Val, how are you doing?
2: Hello, how are you?
0: I'm well. How are you doing? Are you in Florida already?
2: I am in Orlando, Florida, yes. I am home.
0: You are home. You live in Orlando.
2: I do. You know, people always think SoCal Val lives in SoCal. I did, and that's, you know, where the name was, was given to me. But I am actually in Orlando. It's just that Senfla Val doesn't sound nearly as cool.
0: It does not sound nearly as cool. So this these set of shows that you've got coming up on the 10th and the 11th, this is a nice commute for you then.
1: It's going
2: to be a huge couple nights. The whole weekend is going to be basically our weekend because the Premier Athlete brand is in town. We have a lot of really exciting things going on. Uh, on Friday, we're going to be in at the Orpheum in Ebor, which is kind of Tampa area. And by the way, yep. you can watch all this live on com. So you're not going to want to miss it. But Friday is going to be uh, pretty interesting because we have the laughable, unlikely tag team of Drew Galloway and Roderick Strong thinking that they can take on the established cohesive unit that is the Premier Athlete brand, Caleb Conley and Tony Neese. So, you know, it, it's going to be a match that's going to set the tone for the next night, which is in Orlando, Florida, on Saturday. And, again, that's going to be on IP per view as well. Uh, I'll actually be managing three times. I'm managing – I saw chambers. that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I figure, you know, it's, it's thrice as nice.
1: Why, why not still count them <laughs> out there for time?
0: Yeah, I know. You're, you're, you're all over the show. And I saw in Orlando that, um, just for anyone listening uh, – it's at the Barnett Park Gymnasium. Uh, if you want tickets, by the way, it's 267-638-6583. And uh, like Val said, it's com to watch on iPay-per-view. And I think it's right. only like 10 bucks or something. It's not too expensive. So I, I right. you know, no, no excuse not to see it. Um, so I, I, I just wanted uh, to chat with you a few things about the show. Um, so you're, you're in Florida. This is going to be a nice, relaxing in your home turf area. So that's, that's, that, that'll be fun. But I do want to talk to you about um, being part of Evolve and Mm -hmm. you're all over the show, which I think has got to be fantastic to be utilized that much. You've been known for such a long time for being with TNA. What's the difference being with Evolve and being with Gabe and uh, like? just like similarities, how do you feel as far as that?
2: Well, you know, the cool thing is it feels like I kind of went home in a way because I was working for Full Impact Pro for years um, and, and gave is somebody that, you know, it's, it's interesting because I write an, an article on modelmayhem.com, little plug there, uh, for for aspiring models and people getting into business. And I was just explaining in my last article it was about finding an agent. And what I said at the end of it, my, my closing statement was something about how all you really need in this business is somebody to believe in you and somebody to have your back and to, to know your skills and want to see you succeed. And I feel like that person for me has been Gabe. Because, um, yeah. you know, even at, at a young age, he was having me go out so often and, and really, like, spread my wings as somebody who could cut a promo. And I remember one night I went out. I always tell the story I went out six times in one night, and we were laughing backstage. I was like, this is hilarious. You know, I'd be sick of seeing me too. But it really <laughs> speaks to it speaks to the fact that, Gabe really allows you creative freedom. He, he When he sees somebody that he likes and he believes in, he really utilizes you. And, and I have to say in TNA, um, you know, I had a great run with Jay Lethal and Sanjay, and I loved it. And what I, I think what I really sunk my teeth into after that, because managing I had done so much. But yeah. after that storyline ended, what I really, really believed that I stayed for, and the reason that I was there, you know, fate had it that, you know, my guys got released, Jay Lethal and Sanjay got released, but when I stayed, what I started to do thanks to one of our, I mean, there's a lot of people that helped me along the way, but in particular, Mike Weber was our VP of marketing, and like Gabe, he was someone that went, wow, this girl can talk, and she's got to get hit on her shoulders, and she's, you know, this is her strength, is is talking, so, which I do very fast and very, way too often, but the point is, (laughs) uh, it's it's done well, because What I did in TNA towards the end, and a lot of people don't even realize how much of it I did unless you were at live events, you looked on the web, was announcing and on-air hosting, and that's something that I do, you know, as a regular job, and I can do it anywhere, which is really cool. Um, But Gainate, for me, has allowed me to do that so much more. You know, in TNA... I had so much fun doing the web interviews and, and doing live emceeing at the house shows. That was the biggest learning experience in the world for me, doing house shows. Being the main MC, the main anchor announcer on the house shows was a huge opportunity for me to go and do that. Um, so I'm, I was grateful for all of that. But as far as being on air, you know, I was rarely seen. And I think people, that's one thing they always tell me is, you know, people would say, oh, I can't, I'm surprised you're still with TNA. And I've been yeah. there, you know, the last three years. And, you know, there's, there's different ways to look at that. I'm a really positive person. But at the end of, at the, end of the day, you know, um, when I, my contract was up, um, I think in 2013, I, you know, I remember thinking this is just something that my career has always been to just keep learning and learning from the very, very best and to be progressive. And I felt like I wasn't really being um, seen. And, and the whole thing is And you want to like be challenged
0: to- as a performer, yeah. as an artist, as an athlete. You want to be – you always want to be growing and, and being challenged.
2: Exactly. And I'm so glad they used the word challenged because I use that term all the time. Because I feel like, again, nobody is going to ever – I would never want to be complacent in any job. I would still want to keep learning. And I really felt like – I wasn't going backward, per se, but I was really standing still for a very long time. And that's really disappointing for someone who loves wrestling so much and is so, you know, eager and, and, uh, you know, a voracious tape watcher. Like, I really, really wanted to to learn more and to – to keep kind of climbing that ladder and I felt really stuck at a certain rung. And that wasn't, that wasn't fun for a while.
0: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I can imagine, I think not even just wrestling, but any profession, if you feel like you're not being appreciated, you're not being challenged or not, I mean, why stay, you know? So, so I, I, right. I think most people can sympathize with that. Um, I think you, you mentioned um, performing and, and talking and, and being a manager and, I don't think my opinion about this is in the minority, but I miss managers so much in wrestling because not every wrestler can talk. That's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It just is. And these guys are such amazing athletes and physical performers. But, you know, a guy, I mean, Brock Lesnar has said so many times, I want Paul Heyman there. Paul Heyman can talk. I'm not the best talker in the world. And, and, And he's fine with that. And he's totally comfortable with that. I think wrestling has been hurt so much. Because there's certain things that, that certain wrestlers can't communicate verbally. And I think yep. the manager, that asset, has been woefully underutilized. I'm wondering if you feel the same way.
2: Um, I do, but I, I was answering this question to somebody recently. Well, first of all, um, to go back to, to Paul Heyman, I mean, this is Paul Heyman's universe and we're all just living in it. Like To set the bar higher is completely impossible. And until you meet somebody like Paul Heyman in, in person and you, just, you figure out, even in small conversations, um, you figure out just... How his brain works and how methodical he is, and literally everything he does. And and if you look back, it's interesting because he has his finger on the pulse of social media, and and, and in terms he of, does, you know, he, he works it well. So yeah, so freakishly well that it's it's absolute brilliance. And and I I can't stress that enough. When I met him, I said, oh, you know, 'cause he um, we'd talked a little bit, you know, over the um, internet and things like that. But sure. You know, when you, when I met him, I said, sir, I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm a student of yours. And he was just like, oh, he was so <laughs> humble and cool. Yeah, but I, I mean, I didn't want to sound silly, but that was exactly yeah, yeah, what yeah. it came out organically. And I'm glad that I, that was the first word spoken to, you know, the God that is Paul Heyman. But um, <laughs> what I, my answer to that would be that I don't really think – I think wrestling is cyclical. I think it's a trend that sometimes – you know, for example, tag team wrestling is the same thing. Sometimes it's, they're really heavy on tag team wrestling, and then it kind of goes out of style, goes out of favor. And then it just kind of comes back again. I don't think we're in a, a managerial crisis per se. I mean, I, I love that they're uh, utilizing Lana. I love that storyline. To me, especially because there's a romantic aspect of it, I love wrestling love, especially being a girl. Like when that you
0: say Rusell. you like that storyline, I like yeah. it, but probably di- because of different reasons. I think has the baby face. I feel yes. like Dolph and Lana are the biggest jerks about this, and when he cained him on <laughs> Raw, I was just like, "Thank God." So I like the storyline, but I'm just like looking at Dolph, and I love Dolph, but I think he's totally the asshole in this scenario. Yeah,
2: yeah. You know what's cool? And, and, he, and he's he's so uh, likable, but like in a smarmy way. Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. He's like totally
0: bro-y, about... but yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look at look at his name. He's the show off, and what's cool yeah. about him is I don't know if it's because he's into stand up comedy or what it is, but He's so um, – you, he, you can picture yourself hanging out with him. He's just kind of a cool dude, but he, he has that certain character that just comes so naturally. He has this weird, like, intrinsic um, guy at the bar that would be, like, you know, smirking from the corner kind of a thing. Yeah. And, and it's working really well with Lana. And it's, to put it, like, in very basic terms, anyone that's going to steal the girl on that show is going to be Dolph Ziggler. That I guy agree. would walk out of the club with your, with your girlfriend, you know, like he totally would.
0: I agree. And I've always, I I think those characters are, to me, I've always found them the most interesting. Like, Shawn Michaels in his peak, and like, guys like that. I just think they work well in wrestling, because they have that, like, as a heel, they have that such, that punch-in-the-face factor, whereas an audience member is just like, but I think that works so well. So, um, I want to ask you a few other things. So, Obviously, we got the Evolve pay-per-views this weekend, which are going to be big. And you have some stuff, actually, in August in my neck of the woods in, in Queens and in New York. I'll be excited to, to head to those. But um, nice. we were supposed to have – he did not show up. Uh, we were supposed to have Cage before you, and I don't wow. know what happened, but he did not show up. But I'm such a huge fan of Lucha Underground. Um, have you gotten a chance to watch the show yet?
2: Honestly, I've never seen it. Um, I've heard good things about it. it. I was just talking to somebody about this on Periscope because they asked if I had seen that or New Japan, and honestly, I uh I haven't really seen much of either. I like I said, I, I understand who's in it off and on because I hear it, and you know we're all in this wrestling show. Sure, yeah. Um, but I've heard really good things. To me, you know, the more I'm hearing of these different federations, whether it's you know Lucha Underground or PWG, is so hot and has been for such a long time. Yeah. Um, and you know GFW and and Progress Wrestling in, in the UK and PCW in the UK. Like there's so many great brands that are that I'm hearing more about. And, and I haven't really. I feel like indie wrestling is at a real has a real resurgence going on. It totally and so is. I
0: agree. Started
2: there. Like that. That's like the coolest thing in the world to me.
0: Yeah. No. Well, first of all, I I cannot recommend this show high enough. It okay. it is so. Awesomely ridiculous. And I, I don't even Gary. mean that like, like ironically, but it's like it's got sci-fi, it's got horror, but it works because they totally commit to it. They have had a guy kayfabe die on the show in a backstage segment, but the thing that differentiates it from WWE is the fact that nobody sees the backstage segments. It's not like there's a monitor there, so the audience sees it and everybody has to pretend it doesn't exist. It's just these pulp kind of grindhouse segments that they show, and you as the audience are really the only one that sees that. And I think it works so much better. But I would just oh, totally cool. recommend it as as a, as a wrestling fan. I think you would dig it. But
2: definitely, um, yeah, I'm gonna look it up online.
0: Yeah, um, and uh, so okay, I I wanted to ask um, you're, we we touched on this earlier. You're managing um Trent Beretta in the in the in the big match in the in the main okay. event on Saturday. Um, I mean, we, we kind of talked about this where Gabe puts you in such big situations and stuff. I mean, this has got to be like the ultimate vote of confidence. I mean, you're managing, you're managing the challenger in, in the match that, that essentially these shows are being built around. I mean, I, like that, that's got to speak to his confidence in you as, as you said, as someone that does believe in you.
2: I hope it does. You know, obviously, Gabe can be controversial. i have not agree with everything he's done with my boys, and and the, the, the <laughs> horrific, honestly, the horrific things he's let Sue Young get away with, or as, as we like, we still call her Sue Calval. But honestly, Gabe is, is
1: smart,
2: <laughs> he, totally. He's smart in the sense that he knows, uh, you know, that I can handle situations. You know, we had Caleb Conley, you know, win the FIP heavyweight championship, so we're on a high right now. The Premier Athlete brand. You know, uh, coupled with California, which is more of what we do in Shine Wrestling. I have Andrea as my bodyguard. I've got my tag team of Jamie Jameson and Marty Bell. Shine is also available on the WWN uh, network, and I have all the replays. And that's what's cool is you can kind of keep up with what we're doing and see what you've missed, which is really neat. But I think that it's just it's our time. You know, Trent Beretta is returning at, at the perfect moment. Um, you know, Drew Drew Galloway is is a, is an international star. You know, people keep compa- comparing yeah. him to Ric Flair in, in terms of how he's gone around the world and, and won all these titles here and there. But, you know, um, it, it's my job as the manager of Premier Athlete Brand to figure out his weaknesses that I have. And, I, you know, I, I just know that this is the perfect timing. It's been leading up to this. So this match in particular, uh, we have some other great matches um, during this weekend as well. But this is really the big one: Trent Beretta yep. versus Drew Galloway. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, spoiler alert: I've got the champagne ready, so you're going to have a new Evolve champion. Barbara all right. Lord. All right.
0: Well, you heard it here first. Trent Beretta will win the title. We 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 know it because SCV is managing him. So right. um Would I uh, like uh, you? Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, no, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be awesome. Um, so, you know, I, I, have had a lot of questions from people and they wanted to ask, and I think people are just naturally intrigued, uh, about wrestlers schedules and lifestyles. Uh, You, you're in Florida right now, you're heading to the show on Friday, then you'll be in Orlando again on um, Saturday. Give me, can you give me an overview as far as your, your lifestyle, your work schedule. How many nights are you on the road a week? What's what's the SoCal Val schedule like uh, you know, average week? Uh, it's it's pretty
2: crazy. I would say I'm home a few days a week, uh, usually. Okay. Weekends are almost always out of town, um, which is interesting because it's weird. I'm such a girls girl, I have so many girlfriends here and to to have like whether it's girlfriend relationship or actual relationships it's funny because People are always working during the week. They're doing the nine to five thing, and then the weekend yeah. they're like, "Hey, let's hang out." And it, it's totally opposite for me, so that gets a little daunting with with you know keeping in touch with people and all that because they can't hang out when I'm hanging out. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Um, But honestly, I I always wanted a job where I was where I where I could travel and see things and learn and experience the cultures. Um, I was just in the UK. I have family over there, and I, I just. It was my first trip. I was there for almost three weeks. It was my first trip with no work other than a short appearance at the Playboy Club, which is pretty much not like any work at all. You're yeah, right, yeah. And, You know, and, and enjoying free, lovely gifts from Playboy, Um, and that was amazing, but the point is it was the first trip I've had where I wasn't working since I was probably 16 or 17, and I had this discussion with my mother actually recently because... Um, I said that I was to, cause I was traveling with my family, and I said this is really yeah. interesting to have somebody to talk to in the airport. Other than some of the wrestlers, like when I was on the road with CNA, we'd see each other in airports. But for the most part, since I was about sixteen, seventeen, mainly, I've been traveling completely alone that entire time. So it, yeah. you know, for the last like twelve, thirteen years, it's really weird to go on a trip and not work and or to travel with people and and it's and not work related situations. So that's weird, but. Coming up, I've got, um, I have another UK plan, uh, UK trip planned um, in the works that I kind of can't reveal why yet, but it's going to be announced soon. And then, okay. you know, like you said, we're coming to your neck of the woods. We're coming to the New York areas. And honestly, to have evolved in, in other places than Florida, I love Florida and it's nice for me to be home, but yeah. the New York crowds are so hot and um, I think – Having us be on the road with Evolve now is really, really exciting. You're gonna have so much fun if you come to the show. That's, I will promise I that. I'll make two guarantees on this show:
0: I, New Evolve
2: I, I, champion, and we'll party in New York.
0: Excellent. Yes. No. I, I am going. Um, I'm. Yeah. No. Like New York is such a great wrestling city, and I have a lot of friends who are in House of Glory um, with uh, with Amazing Red and those guys. And it's just, it, it's such a hot market. And I'm always. I, I'm kind of. I feel like there should be more shows here, and there isn't. So I'm just. I'm, I'm happy that we have that that we have a major promotion like Evolve that's coming up in in next month because I'm just like I see the shows that that are around here and there are a fair amount, but I feel like there's the same amount that will be in like Cincinnati or something. I'm like, come on, it's New York, you know? Like like give right. us a little bit more. So <laughs> um, yeah. So Val, I've got um I've got one final question for you. Then we can do some word association if that's okay with you. Sure. Okay. Cool. So um. Uh, pro wrestling's a, a tricky business, and we've seen a lot of the older wrestlers um, that just can't kind of retire out of it. Now, you, you, were, you were very young, so this isn't something you have to worry about for quite some time, but are you ever worried about an exit strategy? And, I mean, like, wrestling doesn't have 401ks, they don't have pensions, they don't, for the most part, have retirement plans. Is that something you've thought about as far as your future? And I know you love what you do, and I know you care about it, but at the same time, I'm sure you want to, like, you know, be taking care, um, you know, take care of yourself when you're older, and in such a physically demanding uh, sport, art form, whatever you want to call it, that it doesn't really offer that. I mean, I'm just wondering if, if that's something you've thought about or had discussions about with anyone.
2: Um, well, me personally, the reason that I feel like that's never been an issue is because you know, going back to what I said earlier, when when you have skills that, that go outside of wrestling, that's when you are creating your own safety net. So sure. to me, if I had been a manager and everyone says, oh, well, you know, I, I love, do you love managing more than anything? And, and I, I kind of do, but at the same time, you know, I say this in every interview, I, w- I want longevity in wrestling. That's what I want. I want to be around it and, and contributing to it as much as I can as, for as long as I can. And um, again, I think things happen for a reason. Um, when I was, kept around, you know, after Jay and Sanjay were gone, um, that's when I really started to, to, to build that safety net and, and to learn those skills and have a skill set outside of wrestling uh, that involves, you know, again, on-air hosting, speaking, producing, writing scripts, doing all the yeah. kind of things that that people, you can do on and, and any platform. So to me, that's kind of cool. I feel like I've always had it in the back of my mind, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, many years from now, if maybe I'm, you know, married with kids and I want to stay home more, if I am, you know, doing some sort of a news position or some other hosting position or a shopping network, like that to me would be um, sort of a, an extension of what I'm doing now, which is hosting yeah. and kind of you're selling things all the time. So I don't, know. Yeah. I don't know where I'll end up, but I like that I've kind of created more safety um, in in having a skill set outside of just being a manager, you know, and, and acting is something else you can do, but it's such a fickle business that I feel like uh, yeah. speaking and, and, and editing videos. There's all kinds of things that I do and social media consulting that can be careers in, in any form or fashion.
0: I agree. I agree. And you know, I, for, for years I was, I was an actor as well, but, but I mean, it's just, it, you're right. It's fickle. It's 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 difficult. There's too many people for too few jobs. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, like, you know, as long as you can find something with storytelling with that, that where you can creatively express yourself, I, I think that's really all that matters as far as your are Yeah, definitely. So, and and yeah. you never
1: work a day
2: in your life, you know? If you Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, okay. I, I just want to finish up with a few word associations here. You can answer with one word, you can tell a story, whatever you want to, it's totally up to you. So I'm going to start with a guy that uh you you talked a little bit about, but we'll, I, I thought it'd be apropos to start with him Gabe Sapolsky
2: yeah oh gosh uh ooh let's do do I need one word or do I need a description
0: no you you can do you can tell a story, you can give one word whatever whatever you're most comfortable with it's 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 it's, a, it's an open forum
2: I, I I think I'm going to do both i'm gonna say the word passionate and and I reserve that that word for people who really deserve it, because I, I not that I, am not trying to chew my own horn here, but, like, I always use that word about myself, because, to me, like, if you're not passionate about anything, and I mean life, I mean whoever you're with, I mean, you know, your business, your, your career, everything, and I would use that word for Gabe, because, you know, I, I've seen the same passion with Gabe when I was, 17 to to now and and gabe really cares but i will say this about gabe um you know gabe's a family man and i really respect and admire somebody oh god did i just say i respect and admire gabe oh lord (laughs) don't expect me to be this nice this weekend gabe anyway um but i'm feeling generous tonight so i'll say that you know i respect and admire anybody that can kind of love this business and be super passionate about it and be super you know um into what they're doing and believing what they're doing and believing in other people in the business and they and wanting to see them succeed, like I said before, but also being able to separate that and, and have a real life and to be able to differentiate and, and discern between, okay, this is wonderful and this is my work, but this is not real life. And I say that to wrestlers all the time because, you know, the ones who complain the most, I kind of have to remind them sometimes, gently usually, but I have to kind of say, mm-hmm. look, well, you, and I don't, I don't want to name names, but there's a few of them where I'm like, you know, I respect and, and admire you for being so passionate and caring so much, but you've really got to dial it down because if you love if you anything that fiercely, like, you're going to get hurt. So you can't care, and, I mean, I care so much, but you can't care where it's affecting your real life. You really yeah. can't. So we, I think you no, A- 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 said you're not
0: naming names, but was that that wasn't CM Punk or someone like that, was it?
2: No, 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 no. I, I honestly, I don't know. If I've, I've done some, some shows with him before, but I wouldn't know him personally well, well enough to, to say, say yeah, but he's like that.
0: Okay, gotcha. All right, cool. Uh, next name I have for you is Dixie Carter.
2: Dixie Carter. Ooh, what word would I use? Um, I'm going to say powerful. Um, I-, I always really liked that. Um, as a female in the business, you know, Stephanie McMahon was somebody that I looked up to and still do, and I modeled my whole career, you know, after her yeah. character, and I, just, I was really inspired by her. Um, and, and I was, because of that, and because I love, like, strong female leads in movies and strong female empowering characters in any sort of media, I was really, really happy that Dixie, you know, was a female in charge. And I'm, I haven't seen Impact yet, and so I know she's debuting it in Tonight, or returning, rather. Um, but I would say Powerful. It's, and, um It's got to be – It's. I don't know how to describe it. The way that she's having to deal with an all-male business is something that we as women have to deal with, the fact that it is a man's world. So to be able to hold her own uh, in in such a male-dominated industry and be the top dog in TNA is is really – it really speaks to what kind of a person that she is, and she's really, really strong. So I would say either one of those words apply to her.
0: I I would agree with that. And before I give you your next uh, name, uh, if you love – Powerful, interesting, well-written women. Lucha Underground. I know I keep going back to this. I just love the show yes. so much. Has sexy star, and she is fantastic. Oh yeah. She re- she wrestles the guys, and they don't gloss over gender, but they don't focus on it. It's just it's right. it, it, it's in the same way you book a cruiserweight versus a heavyweight. It's like you know it, it's really well done. So I, I think you yeah. You're I totally I never honestly, to be
2: very honest and quite frank, I don't really enjoy. I, I'll just be very blunt. I don't enjoy men wrestling women ever. I, it's not. I, I don't. Okay. I really don't like it. But but in any sort of a strong female character, I would love to check out. So I'll have to do that. I, I it,
0: this might be this might be a little bit different from what you're like normally thinking of with ways WWE and TNA has done it in the past. I think you should definitely check it out. But yeah. So cool. the next name cool. I have for you is a man who was briefly kind of in charge, but not really a major performer for TNA, Hulk Hogan.
2: Oh, Hulk Hogan. Um, uh, humble. That's the word I've used to describe Hulk Hogan. You know, I always use Mr. Hogan, and I call him that, and same thing with like Mr. Flair. I just, I don't. You can say call me Rick as many times as you want. You are Rick Flair, and I'm calling you Mr. Flair because you deserve it. It's <laughs> still am still starstruck after all these years. He's amazing. But uh, Mr. Hogan, uh, you know, I always use him um, to describe how, unfortunately, you know, the way that I describe wrestlers and celebrities is the physically bigger that they are and the how big they are fame-wise, usually they're, they're the nicer ones, and they're the more humble ones, the more mm-hmm. successful they are. And I find that to be interesting, but actually pretty simple in the concept of they have nothing to prove at this point. So yeah. I meet a lot of guys on the Indies. I don't mean physically small. Sometimes they are, but, you know, I meet a lot of guys on the Indies that are just – they haven't done anything. And, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not trying to say if you've done something you deserve to be, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah American, no, I know what you're or, saying. But, uh, but I have to say I meet some some really vainglorious uh, wrestlers and people in wrestling or celebrities even that are, you know, just really horrible to work with and, and they don't mm. really get it. And again, going back to the thing with Gabe, they, you know, they really can't differentiate between real life and, and the stardom. And Mr. Hogan is somebody who in the first like 10 minutes of medium, I was just, we we're actually at hard rock. And, uh, <laughs> He was sitting there, it was, me. it was me, actually my mother was there for some reason, I don't remember why she was at the show with
0: us. <laughs> Just hanging on. out with Hulk Hogan.
2: It was so random, she's never around, but so mom was there, because I remember she was so impressed with how polite and um wonderful Hogan and, and Dusty and Mr. Bischoff were, you know, the people that she's met, she always mentions how nice they were, and it's interesting yeah. that my mom being an outsider can kind of go, wow, they were the nicest ones, so that's saying something right there, you know. It's, it's, the, it's the indie jerks that she's had me, you know, that she's seen me riding cars with for years that have more of an ego than these guys do. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was sitting in between, um, uh, Hulk Hogan was on my right and Mr. Bischoff was on my left. And I remember thinking like, it was like the first day or two that they were there and we were just sitting around at the hard rock and I was talking to them and, and Mr. Hogan was saying, you know, we were talking about his injuries that he's had and this and that. It was so easy to talk to. And I kind of got so lost in, in, in laughing with him and talking so candidly with him and just how um, his, you know, you'd have to appreciate his candor when he speaks to you. He's just, he's really a genuinely nice, humble person. And it's funny because they kind of have these windows around us. And I heard this banging and I looked over and it was like the damn Beatles were there. It was like people pressed up against all the windows surrounding us. And I had to kind of sit back and go, oh yeah, this is Hulk Hogan. Like no wonder wow. this is happening. But you yeah. get lost in who he is because he's so nice, you know? So yeah. Um, yeah, I would say humble. He's he's awesome. I saw him at uh, WrestleMania this year, and it was funny because I also tell the story that I'm actually a little nervous around some of like the NXT. Well, not anymore. I know I know them all now pretty much, but okay. around certain NXT guys. Like I remember I did Rosebud stuff in July, and I was really nervous because Aiden English was there. And my friend, uh, I knew Simon Gotch a little better, and I was like, oh, my God, Aiden English is here. This is really cool. Or when I met Tyler Breeze, I was like, oh, my God, I watch these guys on TV. They're so cool. So then I'm a little nervous around, and I always kind of wonder, like, oh, you know, I don't know. And then uh, in catering at WrestleMania, Hulk Hogan walked in, and, like, everybody turned and was like, whether it was wrestlers or family that were there, everyone turned to see him. And the first person, he was like, oh, hey, Val, what's up? And I got up, and I was like, oh, my God, good to see you. And it was so easy to talk to him. So it's funny. It's funny that when I go there, the ones that I talk to the most are like and, and joke with the most are Flair, Hogan, RBD, and Jericho, and they're these big superstars. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, kind of like yeah, they're just they're just my friends, or you know I can call them for advice if I needed to. But it's it's interesting that some of the the, the lesser known guys I'm personally more nervous to meet, where you know you sure. put me with Flair and I'm like hey what's up buddy. So. <laughs> Weird. Well,
0: I I don't know who wouldn't be nervous meeting Tyler Breeze. He is more handsome than any of us could be. So
2: oh uh, I'm Did with you. Did you see his runway collection at, at that NXT special where he had
0: the models? That was so. Awesome! Like, like it was a. It, it, that's the kind of entrance in years past they give. I mean, not that, but they give like the special entrance to Undertaker, or Triple H. So I like right. that they're doing stuff like that with those guys, and I, I think that yeah. it, it adds so much to the show. But yeah, that was. Yeah,
2: you know, awesome. and I, I really wish that uh, that Finn Balor had a better entrance. You know, I I've told him it's, before. I'm it, like, you know, so man. It's still lacking. I know, you know, it's like, hello, lackluster. I'm like, maybe you should work on your abs and your entrance, and then maybe you'd go somewhere, kid. You know what I mean?
0: I know, I know. I, I, <laughs> I walk around my room, uh, my apartment, uh, singing Finn, Finn Balor's theme song uh, <laughs> quite I mean, often. One of, the,
2: one of the girls, one of the announcers, uh, I, I was rooming with her uh, uh, on a show, and she had Finn Balor's entrance theme as her alarm clock, and I woke up and I was like, no, take that off right now. That is so weird. Get off
0: the
1: phone.
2: <laughs> I am creeped out. This is weird.
0: That's funny. She's going she's gonna, to yeah. uh, demon crawl up your bed when you're not looking.
2: Yeah, yeah. She was like, oh, it inspires me to wake up. I was like, you are a loon. <laughs> That's
0: great. Uh, next name I have for you is Austin Aries.
2: Austin Aries. Ooh, Um. Hmm, what's a word to describe, as I call him, Austin Aquarius? Um,
1: <laughs>
2: uh, smart. I would use the word smart. I was actually just reading something about him, and I remember thinking, like, I don't know if you've ever talked to him at length. Like, he's a really, really um, – Smart, in depth, very deep person, um, and yeah, he, I didn't talk yeah. to. Yeah, he doesn't do anything half ass. Whether it's anything, I mean, you know, even, even the way he eats and the way he, you know, trains and stuff. Like he's a really interesting, interesting guy. He's somebody that I feel like could really, and I, I know he's moved to LA, so maybe we'll get more into it. He's somebody who I feel like could really host a show or you know have a reality show because. Things just seem to happen to him, and he handles them with such like cool enthusiasm. He's just a really fascinating guy, but he's really smart. So I'll use the word smart.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, Angelina
2: Love. Angelina Love. Ooh, um, sassy. Uh, Angelina, you know she's cool because we we did a lot of indie shows when I was younger. We did women's extreme wrestling. That's where I first met her in like I don't know two thousand and three or four. And uh, it's interesting to see how she's evolved. I mean, she stayed the same person, but she's really she changed her look up quite a bit. Um, I really like that she's kind of that glossy, overly feminine, um, yeah. bright pink. I love that because when I was watching wrestling uh, growing up, uh, I mean, I did been watching until I was like maybe 12 or 13, but I really loved um, the cat, and I loved her because she, you know, granted, women's wrestling is so much more serious now. I'm personally sure. not I, – I, I miss the days of the bra panties matches and, and the, the silliness of it all. But you do. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's my favorite. Yeah. But like Angelina to me kind of is a nice uh, juxtaposition of the two because she is really great in the ring, but she's, she kind of, if I was a little girl, I would want to look up to somebody like an Angelina Love. She looks like an action figure, you know, she's, she's uh, over the top girly. And I love that.
0: Yeah. I love her on the mic. I think she's fantastic. Let me ask you something, because I don't think I knew this. Uh, what, who were you on? Who are you on women's extreme wrestling? Because I have those tapes, they or those DVDs. <laughs> they were on Best Buy. They were always on like sale, and I'm like, whatever, I'll get these.
1: Because yeah.
0: I remember like Annie Social and and, and uh, all those all those girls. Who who were you on there? I don't even well, remember was, seeing I've you. Been...
2: I've always been SoCal Val. I've never had a name change at all. Um, I got in there, um, it must have been around 2003-ish or four. Um, I was Francine's lackey to begin with. So she kind of hired me as her lackey. I would carry her bags, which is not that far from the truth, because I would carry her bag now at 29, even I was doing it at like 17, 18. Cause she's amazing. Um, So I was her lackey, and then we sort of had a little bit of a falling out. We had a feud, and I had my first ever pay-per-view match against Francine on live pay-per-view, which was very uh, vexatious for me, being, you know, 17 and
0: not fully trained,
2: not even barely half trained. But, you know, I got to have a match with her. It was a kiss-my-foot match, and I thought we'd – I mean, if you watch it, it's not – it's not a five-star match, but hey, it was my first never-don't-know-what-I'm-doing yeah. really match. And I, I just thought that was a cool mark-out moment for me to have my first match ever with Francine. So um, that's what I did for a long time. And then I managed Jazz for quite a while. Um, I managed a lot of different people. I had a little bit of a feud with Daphne. Um, so I was on there for, for several years. I bet you saw me and maybe you didn't realize it was... It uh, was you so know what?
0: I, 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 they, they have those like those DVDs, which are like, like it's just like one or two shows. And and they only they only had like those three DVDs. So like I I guess it might have been a time. Yeah, I might
2: have. It might if it was later on. It might have been when I signed with TNA, which was around 2000, late 2004, early 2005. So if it was past that, I'd already signed a contract with TNA and couldn't do anything that was pay-per-view.
0: So that might explain that. Yeah, do you remember the smoke? Remember that guy? Who is he?
2: Um, yes I do, and I was at a signing where he was at and I was like, Oh my god, that's that guy. I was so
0: who, who is he? Is he a wrestler? Like what is his I remember I saw him and they're like, Oh, the smoke's here I'm like, is that a thing? Is this a guy? Right. That... Who who he's is like, he?
2: Like he's like the rock. Like he, he was kinda of like the rock. I mean he kinda of looked like, yeah. like like he fashioned himself to be like the rock. Um, but he was the smoke, and I don't know. I think he was a wrestler, but with with WWE, he was always just kind of like a bodyguard, like you know, massive guy, kind of a side character. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I remember. <laughs> We've we somehow gotten a world of women's extreme wrestling. I love it. Okay, just wow. two more names for you. Uh, Velvet Sky.
2: Oh, okay. Ooh, um, I would say uh, ooh, sexy. Um, she, I, I would compare her to Angelina Love in the same way that I like that she's kind of one of those uber feminine. You know, if, if I were going to be going to be a full time wrestler, I would hope that I would have a sexy entrance like they had, and I would have you know skirts and. You know, she, she's tough, and Angelina, they're tough, but they're, they're still girls. And that's my whole thing with, with women wrestlers. It's like when they try to be so serious and take in, like the guys, I just kind of have to roll my eyes and be like, bro, your whole selling point is that you're a female, so why are you ignoring that, you know? But <laughs> like, Delta Sky has never done that, and I think she knows how to use her sexy. She's somebody that, like, if, if my guys were watching the show, they, you know, she's exactly who they gravitate towards. And now she's kind of gotten a more punk look to her. I think it's really cool. I think she's got her market... Uh, cornered as far as like she has a very unique look and I like that originality about her.
0: All right, okay, so last name I got for you is j e w f j a w r e w t Jeff Jarrett.
2: Ooh, uh, oh gosh, I would say leader, because Jeff Jarrett. You know, um, I wrote on Twitter I was watching TNA anniversary, which is available on Flip TV by the way. That's flips with two P's and it's on flips.com. You can get the replays. Um, I was actually watching at an airport because I was flying back from London, but I really enjoyed the show. And when Jeff came out and I heard his music played over the impact zone for the first time, granted through my phone, but still, I literally got goosebumps because I thought this is so weird because I was there for the Jeff Jarrett era, you know, in TNA. Yeah, granted, Planet Jarrett. I mean, right. You know, he's, he's such a, a decorated superstar having been in so many companies and, and such a well-respected, well-liked by the boys kind of a guy. Um, but but I'm talking like even my own little dealings with him in TNA for, for several years. He – he is a leader. He just has that personality about him. People, it's kind of funny because people, for some reason, not for no reason, I'm sure, and he's a charismatic guy. So people kind yeah. of tend to like worship the guy. And I'm talking about the other guys. Like they're almost like a, you know, it's, it's almost like a cult thing. He, he has his, his favorite guys, and it's, it's neat because you see why he's so, why people are so drawn to him when you meet him. He just has such a charismatic personality. And, um, yeah, but he is such a leader, and I'm really excited for GFW. I've heard nothing but good things, and I know that they're starting TV soon. So, And, again, you know, I'm, I'm from the original – not not original, like, since day one exactly, but I was there since, like – well, I did a dark match in Nashville in 2003, and then I was signed around 2004, late 2004. So, you know, for me, it's such a nostalgic, um, yeah. sappy kind of a thing for me to talk about Jeff Jarrett because he – he watched me grow up. You know what I mean? Oh God, I'm going to get all upset. Oh, anyway. No, but it's, it's, it's weird because when you start with somebody from such, a, from such a young age, I remember when I first signed my contract, he was up on the apron of the ring and I, I went, it was just during the day, he was working out or something. And I, I literally, they handed him a pen and he had to sign off on it. And I thanked him so much. And I just said something about like, this is my dream. And thank you because I was, I think, barely like 18 or something at the time. So I, I will forever be grateful to him for that.
0: That's great. He seems like such such a nice guy. Like you could just hang out with him, and he's like, oh, he yeah. was fun, you know. I mean, I I don't know him obviously, but he seems like. a
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um. Okay. So you know, I I think um, I think that's it. Um. Once again, everybody, uh, Evolve has uh, two shows coming up. dot uh, Com. You can see their pay-per-views. It's going to be July 10th in Tampa at the Orpheum, July 11th in FCV's hometown of Orlando at the Barnett Park Gymnasium. Uh, Tickets, I I think you can probably still get a few tickets. It's 267-638-6583, or you can watch on pay-per-view if you're not in the area. Val, it was absolutely lovely talking to you. You are a joy. If you want to come on any other time, feel free. We can chat before the Queen shows. I'm definitely going to be there.
2: Thank you so much. You no, know, I had a great time, and I'm I'm so glad that you're going to be at our upcoming show. You can you can uh, you can meet our new Evolve champion, Tret Beretta. We can we can party it up.
0: We we can. There there there, <laughs> Queens is stocked with with party places. But yes, yay, so, yeah, you better um, around. <laughs> so. So follow uh, Val on Twitter, Instagram. Anything else you want to plug or anything while we're here?
2: Uh, no. I mean, uh, at is my Twitter, I pretty much promote everything there. I'm kind of a big Twitter fan. Um, so that's where I would find me and where I'm going to be because, like I said, I've got some other things coming up that I'm about to announce. So, um, yeah, stay tuned.
0: Okay, fantastic. Thank you so much, Val. Lovely talking to you. Hope we do it again soon.
1: Thank you so much. Have a good one.
0: You too. Bye. All right, so that was the SoCalVal slash Cage interview, which then just became the SoCalVal interview. Uh, so I will figure out what happens, ladies and gentlemen, but I'd like to thank you for staying all the way with just me, with no Patrick, for an hour and 40 minutes, which I promise you would have been much shorter if I knew I just had one interview. But thanks again for joining us. Uh, follow us on Twitter, at TheBrainASaur, of, of course, TheBrainASaur.com. Follow us on Weekday Warriors of Wrestling on Shoe, iTunes, all those things. We have a Facebook page. We definitely appreciate all of your support, your comments. Um, we will probably have somebody next week. And thank you, all of you, for joining us.